Hey everyone, it's your host of See Jurassic Right, Stephen Ray Morris here, just dropping in to say, I hope you've been enjoying all the new episodes in 2023 and 2024 so far. There are new interviews with filmmakers, musicians, scientists, the screenwriter of Land Before Time, audio essays about the rich history of the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World franchise, and all the news about the upcoming animated show Jurassic World Chaos Theory and the as-of-yet untitled Jurassic World sequel coming next summer. I really need your help supporting the show right now, and you can do that by leaving a tip and or giving a monthly follow on Patreon, patreon.com slash There are $1 and $5 tiers, but more is coming. Sharing the show, giving five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts, and liking and commenting on social, at Stephen Ray Morris on Instagram and Twitter, goes a long way to help boosting the show's visibility again online in this new era. I'm an independent podcaster and your support is so important and means the world to me in keeping this podcast running. Link to the Patreon is in the show notes. Hold on to your butts. Thank you. And now on to the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Stephen, this is Seon Kang, and it's like 11 o'clock at night, and I was listening to episode three of See Jurassic Right. And in the intro, you mentioned the dinosaur class from UCSD, which I also took. And just hearing you talk about it, like, totally gave me this flashback to when I learned in that class that pterosaurs are not dinosaurs and just like the deep sense of shock and betrayal I felt like growing up thinking those were so cool and loving that aviary scene but never knowing they are not technically dinosaurs so I thought it was such a fun little um, trip down memory lane for me and Oh my god, how great was that class? Just wanted to call in and tell you that. Alright, bye. Welcome back to See Jurassic Right, mini sewed edition. I'm your host, Stephen Ray Morris. And today, uh, first of all, I wanted to thank Se Young Kang, who's a guest 
on episode four. Uh, we had a really great, fun conversation about Michael Crichton. Um, and we both went to UCSB together, UC Santa Barbara. So I really appreciated her phone call uh, talking about not only uh, the dinosaurs class, which was fantastic and one of my favorite experiences in college, uh, but also that, you know, I think, you know, the the layers of of learning about dinosaurs and knowing that there was these other creatures, you know, I, a lot of times I feel like they just call them dinosaurs because it's sort of, you know, it might be seen as sort of pedantic to sort of be like, oh, what's all the difference, you know, like, but, you know, pterodactyls, pteranodons, dinosaurs didn't fly. Um, so pterodactyls, pteranodons, those are flying reptiles. And then things like mosasaurs and plesiosaurs. The mosasaur was the the lagoon, the lagoon critter, <laughs> the lagoon critter in uh, Jurassic World. Those are marine reptiles. So they're technically not related to dinosaurs. Um, but I even noticed that the Natural History Museum, uh, just in terms of branding, they had a great exhibit on uh, flying reptiles. But it's like flying reptiles in the time of the dinosaurs, because it's just one of those things where for marketing purposes, it's almost just easier to group them together. But we know the truth. Um, so thank you, Young, for that uh, phone call. And um, again, if you haven't checked out episode four about Michael Crichton, um, check it out. Let me know what you think. Um, so before we get into a couple uh, emails and phone calls and some other stuff today, uh, I wanted to also use this space to sort of talk about some news. And so we actually got some cool Jurassic World related, Jurassic Park related news in the form of a new video game coming out called Jurassic World Evolution. And so um, the Frontier Developments, they did a lot of like uh, Roller Coaster Tycoon and those kind of things because Jurassic World Evolution is a park builder, which, you know, surprise, surprise, obviously we've had park builders in the past with uh, Jur- Jurassic Park Operation Genesis, which I actually never played because uh, I didn't don't think I had the systems that I could have played it on at the time. I never owned a PlayStation 2 or an Xbox. Um, I obviously played Dino Park Tycoon back in the day. It was like that or Oregon Trail. Uh, But Jurassic World Evolution, and it dropped in the form of a trailer um, that premiered uh, at the time of this recording a couple weeks ago. And go, you know, I'll put a link to the trailer, but go check it out. Basically, it kind of starts on a shot similar to the Indominus Rex opening of Jurassic World. But then it's a T-Rex. It busts out, uh, you know, eats a couple of dudes, um, eats a Parasaurolophus. And then it kind of zooms out to sort of show that this is a park building game where you can kind of... Um, if you're not familiar with things like Roller Coaster Tycoon or Dino Park Tycoon or Sims or SimCity, things like that, you know, it, it's asset management or um, Jurassic Park Builder, which is a mobile game. Um, it's, you know, I mean, it makes sense, you know, Jurassic Park, you know, having a, having these asset management park builder kind of thing totally makes sense. It's totally in the wheelhouse and they've done it a bunch before, but this is, you know, graphically impressive uh, you know, for the next-gen consoles. Um, so I'll just read the press release really quickly because that has some interesting tidbits. Um, so this was, yeah, from August 20th. Uh, Frontier Development Frontier Developments today announced its new game, Jurassic World Evolution, and revealed the first trailer. Based on Universal Pictures' iconic film franchise, 
and created in collaboration with Universal Brand Development, the game expands on the official Jurassic World mythology ooh, and puts players in charge of cinema's greatest tourist destination, where they will have the opportunity to create and manage their own Jurassic World. Launching in the summer of 2018, Jurassic World Evolution will be coming to PC, the PlayStation 4, and the Xbox One. Um, yeah, there is... This thing had like really low PlayStation four computer entertainment, PlayStation four, PS four. Um, and then, so there's a quote here, uh, as longtime fans of the entire Jurassic series were thrilled to be putting players in charge of their own Jurassic world said frontier chief creative officer, Johnny Watts. We're excited to bring over 15 years of management simulation. Ooh, so sexy and creature development expertise to the destination and franchise that remains an inspiration to us. Jurassic World Evolution involves players' relationship with the Jurassic World film franchise, placing them in control of operations on the legendary island of Isla Nublar and the surrounding islands of the Muertes Archipelago. Players will build their own Jurassic World as they bioengineer new dinosaur breeds and construct attractions, containment, and research facilities. Every choice leads to a different path, and spectacular challenges arise when life finds a way. The game is scheduled to release next summer, uh, and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom will be in theaters June 2018. Wow. Cool. So uh, that sounds really exciting. The idea that you can, you know, because there's the five deaths that were sort of revealed in The Lost World where there's Isla Sorna and, you know, I probably should have had the other names out in front of me, but it's fine. Um so that's interesting that you were able to to maybe build parks on other islands. I'm very curious about that part. That might be the thing that really gets me to play. Although, to be fair, I don't have a PC. Uh, I mean, I don't have like a gaming PC. I don't have a PS4 and I don't have an Xbox One. But part of me thinks, hey, maybe I'll get into live streaming and you guys can watch me play uh, Jurassic World Evolution. I don't know. I'm very curious. I, uh, you know, I don't, I mean, the last video game system I bought was a 3DS and I keep joking I'm going to buy a Switch, but who knows if that'll happen. Maybe one day. Um, but are you guys excited about Jurassic World Evolution? Um, did you play Operation Genesis or Dino Park Tycoon, for that matter? Um, yeah, I'm very curious. Jurassic, Jurassic Park as a franchise doesn't have a great history of great games. I mean, the Sega Genesis game I had as a kid. I played the Lost World game on PlayStation. And then the um, there was like a Mortal Kombat style brawler also on PlayStation but I'm trying to think of the – and then I played the mobile game for a bit. But, I again, I'm not a big asset management person. But I think just as, as impressive as that trailer was, even though it didn't have in-game footage, I might give it a shot. Who knows? Uh, let me know what you think. So this leads nicely into uh, something really fun I did. Something really fun? Something very fun that I did um, this month. Um, I took a day off. Whoa. And I went to Universal Studios. I went with Simone Nathan, who is a past guest on the show. Um, and you'll hear from her again in future episodes. But yeah, we decided to go uh, to Universal Studios. I had also never been to the Harry Potter world, so I wanted to check that out. But of course, got to go back on Jurassic Park the Ride. Uh, the last time I went to Universal Studios was in the summer of 2010, I believe, uh, before I moved to London for grad school. So it had been a while. So first thing we saw was a Jurassic World Fallen Kingdoms uh, poster in the wild, which was super rad. Um, I didn't realize, I think I'd maybe seen a tweet if somebody saw a poster uh, already up in a movie theater. And I know um, Jurassic World 2, 
uh, Jurassic, excuse me, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom actor Daniela Pineda uh, recently just posted on Instagram her seeing the, the poster in movie theaters, I think at the Arclight here in L.A. Uh, for the first time. But uh, yeah, that was my so when we went to Universal Studios, we're waiting in line. And I turn and it's like, oh, it's a Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom poster. So, of course, I had to go get a picture in front of it, which I posted on Instagram. Uh, Instagram at uh, C Jurassic, right? Um, and then we were, we were, <laughs> I think we were just impatient. And so we paid for the front of the line pass because we're like, we want to see all the rides. So we go to Jurassic Park the Ride, of course. And, you know, I grew up in Southern California, so I've been on it a bunch. Uh, there's even, I even posted a picture of me on it uh, the first time when I was a kid. Um, and, it's still so cool. I mean, it's definitely a little shaggy. It's a little rough around the edges since it's been around for about 20 years or a little over 20 years. But, I mean, it's still a cool ride. And I love that it kind of captures the spirit. And we'll talk about this more on a future episode, hint, hint. But it really kind of captures the spirit of the original book in the sense that there's this side of you that's curious and learning about dinosaurs. And then shit hits the fan and a giant T-Rex swings out at you. Um, and oh man, I have not been on a roller coaster or on a ride of that kind in a long time because, uh, yeah, it was really fun to go on it again. Um, so that was, you know, we just hit up Jurassic Park the ride first, obviously. So it was hot day so we could get wet and we could dry off for the rest of the day. Um, and then later we went on the Universal Studios tour and the cool thing that's been happening, I feel like every time I go, because I think before 2010, the last time I'd went, was around the time when Jurassic Park 3 came out because I remember like when you're going down the stairs or the escalators down to where the Jurassic Park the ride is I remember seeing posters for Jurassic uh, Park 3 and you know coming soon and that kind of thing and um, so every year on the Universal Studios uh, backlot tour where they take you kind of around different sets and now they're kind of incorporating different rides and stuff into it Peter Jackson, Fast and the Furious it's a Peter Jackson ride. Uh, no, King Kong. Um, but uh, they have I've noticed that they've been expanding their sort of Jurassic Park selection, things like that. And kind of where you get a full taste for it is there's an area where you see kind of the vehicles from different film franchises like Back to the Future and Indiana Jones and stuff like that. And so they have a Jurassic – they have the Jeep Wrangler. They have the Explorer. What was really interesting was the gyrosphere, a.k.a. the hamster ball, was removed from the display. And there was a little sign that said, like, removed for production because at the time Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom had just finished wrapping. So I wonder if they had borrowed one, uh, you know, for the movie. So interesting, interesting. Um, And they just had also props and vehicles from other films. Like they had the boat from JP3 that they go on when – uh, there's that whole astronomer v astronaut scene uh, in Jurassic Park three. Um, there's the trailers from the Lost World, um, and they even this really interesting setup where they took some of the Dilophosaurus from the JP ride and then made them come out and spit at you in you know this part of the Universal tour with some like busted up uh, Explorer and stuff like that. So it was just really cool. I mean, since starting this podcast and having interactions with everybody and kind of really getting like into the Jurassic Park. Uh, you know, Jurassic World hype train again. It was really cool to surround myself in that. Um, and the fact that they just blare the Jurassic Park theme when you go down to the Jurassic Park ride, it's just cruel. It's just cruel. Uh, but I had a great time. Uh, so, you know, who knows? I mean, 
I live. I mean, I go to Universal City Walk all the time. I would see movies there all the time. Saw Dark Knight Rises, uh, Prometheus, um, Harry Potter, uh, Fantastic Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Excuse me. And so I'm sure I'll end up seeing Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom there in IMAX. Um, or maybe I'll go to the Arclight. Who knows? Like I did for Jurassic World. Um, but yeah, it was just really a highlight of the summer. And I was really excited to kind of share that with you guys on social and, um, you know, stick around. There might be a whole episode based on the ride. So uh, uh, look for that. Um, but hey, let's get to let's do a couple of emails um, and then some other stuff. So this email is titled New Zealand Fan or NZ Fan or NZ Fan, depending on where you're from. Which is funny because I'm recording this mini-sode a little early because I will be in Australia and New Zealand uh, when this comes out, um, traveling with my favorite murders. So getting it in before so it can come out, uh, you know, uh, when it's supposed to. So this email says NZ fan, NZ fan, uh, from Laura. Hi, Stephen. Big fan of JP and a new discoverer of the podcast. I'm loving it. Thank you. I can remember my family going on a trip to the movies in 1993 and my mom took my older brother to see Jurassic Park while my dad took me to see Aladdin or something lame because I was only five. Aw, Aladdin's not lame. Uh, I mean, although compared to Jurassic Park. Um, I wish I had seen it then because I can't remember my first watch of the franchise, but I love them. Whenever I go on road trips and see fog, bridges, aviaries, or objects in the mirror may appear closer than they are signs, I always think of Jurassic Park and excitedly tell whoever I'm with. Attached is a photo of my favorite pieces of dinosaur jewelry, which I always wear, even though my mom hates them. And so, um, yeah, so Laura just has these, she has this rad uh, T-Rex skull necklace. And then she has like adorable little like, you know, like I want to say brontosaurus because it's got the vibe of like the brontosaurus, like sauropod earrings. That's really rad. And she says, I might be your only fan from New Zealand, but I'll be sure to convert my whole country. Uh, love your work, Laura. Thank you, Laura. And um, I mean, I'm just really tying in some themes. Simone is from New Zealand. Um, although, is she a fan of me? Jury's still out. So I appreciate uh, all your support, Laura. Um, and I'm excited to, I think when this comes out, I'll be in New Zealand. I think it will, actually. So that'll be fun. Anyway, uh, from the future... But I love New Zealand. I studied abroad there uh, for six months, and I'm excited to be back. It's only for a couple of days, but it's going to be really fun. And, um, yeah, I'm really excited for the show that we're doing with My Favorite Murder there. Uh, Karen and Georgia are going to have a blast because New Zealand is awesome. Um, yeah, let's get to another email. This email is from Emily, and it reads, Hold on to your butts. Dear Stephen, I magically stumbled upon Sea Jurassic Right in the last week, and it totally made my life. Oh, thank you. Um, I'm a huge fan of yours from MFM, but I love you all the more dearly for your love of Jurassic Park. Thank you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A little background. I can't remember the first time I watched Jurassic Park, but I remember my younger sister and I having more plastic dinosaurs and dino books than Barbies. In fact, there is a Christmas home video where my sister and I are so loudly squawking, roaring, attacking each other with plastic dinos that you can hardly hear the rest of the family enjoying the holidays. Kind of sounds like my holidays, uh, Christmas time and stuff when I got my Jurassic Park toys. Velociraptors were always our favorites, and it was a constant battle of who got to be the raptor during our games. On one occasion that my sister was the Velociraptor and I the Brachiosaurus, my sister sprung off the couch and onto my back, dug her teeth into my shoulder, and actually broke the skin. A very good raptor impression. Oh my god. Uh, in 2001, my family was taking a vacation in Sun Valley, Idaho. Um, the Sun Valley Opera House frequently shows movies, and the movie that summer? Jurassic Park 3. I made it to the scene where the raptor holds... Uh, very still while Dr. Grant and the Kirbys walk through the abandoned lab and then jumps out. Perhaps it was my increased fear of raptors after being bitten by my sister or how much smarter scarier these raptors seemed, but I ran out of the theater crying. I ran straight to the ice cream parlor too. At 11, that's smart. At 11, I was just old enough to understand that a smart and silent killer is far more dangerous than a T-Rex you can hear coming or see in the water cup from a mile off. However, I had to go back. Later in the week, I went back to the theater and saw the whole movie. My fascination with the sublime story was too great to keep me away. Several years later, my family went to the island of Kauai and took a kayak trip. The best part of the trip? Getting out of the meadow where Alan, Tim, and Lex avoid the Gallimima stampede. Let's do an SJR tour trip to Kauai and all the filming locations. Great, thanks. Bye. Anyway, thank you for putting this wonderful podcast together. I'm currently binge listening on a road trip and can't wait to hear more. Kathleen Kennedy, what, what, is my hero, and there's nobody in cinema that I worship more than John Williams. Uh, Jurassic Park is truly a cinema icon. Stay sexy and don't forget to say the magic word. Oh, my God. Uh, Emily. Wow, thank you, Emily. That, oh, my gosh. There's, oh, my gosh. Um... Yeah, it's funny. I've been to Kauai. Uh, I didn't necessarily get to see all the locations, but I went to, I don't know if I've mentioned this before on the podcast yet, but yeah, I went to Kauai in like 2007 and I went to where the Jurassic Park gate is and I have a picture of it, so I should post it. Um, and I also went to a couple locations from Jurassic Park 3. So um, yeah, it was, I mean, being where the Jurassic Park gate was really cool. I mean, there's really no evidence that that's where it was. You kind of just, there's just like, I think I just looked online Probably like real, um, real tours Hawaii. I probably looked through them or something to find out where it was. But um, yeah, I'm definitely up for an SJR uh, Kauai trip right off. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for your email. I hope your um, I hope your shoulder is okay, and I hope your fear of raptors is healthy. So uh, thank you so much, Emily. I appreciate your email. So I just wanted to say a little bit on Michael Crichton. This it was our uh, theme for this month of August. Um, obviously, this episode comes out September. You get it. But episode four was about Michael Crichton, and I just wanted to briefly say what my top five 
uh, Michael Crichton books were, um, in case you were interested in checking out um, some of his novels, if you're a fan of Jurassic Park. I think you will like a lot of his, no- a lot of his other novels as well, too. Um, and I'm just going to go down the list. Number five is Eaters of the Dead. Um, it was made into the movie, I think we mentioned on the podcast, it was made into The 13th Warrior starring Antonio Banderas and directed by the director of Die Hard. But the original Eaters of the Dead is essentially what if Beowulf was based on actual historical events. And so it's sort of like the document text version, but still told in a very engaging story uh, way of what the original Beowulf story was, the actual historical document that would have been discovered by scientists or, uh, you know, anthropologists and stuff, um, you know, in the future. Uh, And it's just, yeah, it's just a really interesting look at the past. And it's just, again, the way that history and myth and legend and stuff, it's really cool. And then my fourth favorite Michael Crichton novel is Congo. And Congo, obviously, I have a soft spot for the, you know, Laura Linney, uh, Tim Curry, Ernie Hudson, um, you know, Bruce the Chin Campbell, uh, Laura Linney blasting uh, apes with a diamond laser. I love that movie, have super soft spot for it. But the Congo book is a much different, it's definitely doesn't have any sentimentality that I think that the movie has, kind of like the way Jurassic Park has kind of a sentimentality to it. Congo the book is very just like a procedural of like, how do we make it through the fucking jungle? And it's a really, it's a really gr- great read. It's really interesting. Kind of delves into a little bit of the politics of the region. Um, you know, you know, white people trying to get into the Congo and what you know the kind of rich space race corporation microchip kind of technology race, but thrown into the jungle and that mix of, you know, it's those classic Crichton themes of technology versus nature and stuff. And Congo. Uh, the book is is a really just a very neat, detailed look at that, um, which I really like. Um, and then my third favorite Michael Crichton novel is actually one that I didn't read until a few years ago, which is called Airframe. And for people who are afraid of airplanes or afraid of flying, this one is a doozy. It's about a it's based off a few real life events of like this air incident and people get hurt and die and um Basically, the book itself is sort of all the different forces conspiring to sort of protect their asses and also trying to figure out what happened. So you have the airplane manufacturer and the parts manufacturer and the distributor and the airline and the media. And it's this like corporate espionage thing that like Jared Logan was talking about on on the Michael Crichton podcast. Like there's just again, it's this all these like forces trying to jockey their way to the top. And it's just a very and it's just a, and again, Michael Crichton's you know, versillimitude, it's just, I mean, it's, I mean, you learn how an airplane, you know, is, I believe I know how airplanes are built after reading this book. And it's, it's also a fascinating look at new, like media and news at the time and stuff. Um, you know, so it's interesting for that as well, too. And it's just a, for, for a book that's just about people piecing together what happened on an airplane. Uh, it's a freaking gripping novel. So I highly recommend it. And then my second favorite Michael Crichton novel is Jurassic Park. Oh, shit. Number two. Uh, what's going to be number one? Uh, but Jurassic Park, the book, I love it. Obviously, it lacks the sentimentality of the Jurassic Park movie, which is why I feel like a lot of us love the movie. Um, but I love the book as well. And there's just such a like 
David Fincher-esque kind of like, it's sort of like the dinosaurs are cool, but it's more about just sort of how you try and, you know, like as a company, as like how do you try and maintain something that is too great to manage? And I think the book is really cool. It's it's funny. I feel like the Jurassic World movie actually has more in common with the Jurassic Park book in terms of like maintaining the park and what that takes. And so um, a lot of the stuff with Henry Wu, Dr. Henry Wu in the Jurassic World movie, a lot of that stuff was from the original book, which is really cool. Um, so, yeah. The original Jurassic Park book, if you haven't read it, is totally worth it. It's still a page turner, um, and there's lots of dinosaurs, and it's fun. Um, and my number one uh, Michael Crichton novel is Sphere, which is an incredible book. It's weird because it's very different from most Michael Crichton um, books, but for some reason he just, you know, some things are dated. I mean, Michael Crichton in general has, you know, issues with women and people of color and stuff like that. And if you're not a hot genius or a dope mad scientist, you are, you know, you are trash basically, you know, um, he was somebody who hated the elite and yet also was a part of it. Um, so that's, you know, that's, that's, that's the hot take version on Michael Crichton, but sphere is really interesting because it plays all with the psychology of all these like scientists who are plunged below the surface. It's, uh, if you've seen the abyss, you know, there's, there's an element of these, all these scientists who are under the sea, um, trying to figure out what this, and I won't spoil it, but just what this craft under the ocean is, is it aliens? Is it time machine? Is it, you know, there's all these different things and then it all gets into the head and the imaginations of the characters who are trapped under the ocean. Um, it it is my it is I mean it's definitely my favorite Michael Crichton novel as a novel by itself. Obviously, the movie I don't have much of an attachment to at all. Uh, that has Dustin Hoffman and Sam Jackson and Queen Latifah and Liev Schreiber and Peter Coyote. Um, but I would like to see it again. But the novel itself is just it's just such a haunting masterpiece. I think it's Michael Crichton's best work. And those are my top five Michael Crichton novels. Um, let me know if you you know. I obviously left The Lost World off that list because The Lost World Michael Crichton novel isn't that great. And I actually think the movie is better than the book. Uh, but feel free to add me on Twitter for that. I would love to talk about it. Um, and so the last thing I wanted to end the show with, uh, because uh, I've met some really sweet um, SJRs, Jurassic writers. I don't know. Um, we'll work on that. But two very nice listeners um, who sent me some wonderful gifts. Um, one of them was, one gift was from Judy, um, Judy Leah Jackson on Instagram. Um, and she has an Etsy store called, uh, Popped Vintage. It's at Popped Vintage on Instagram. And she gave me a, uh, speaking of Jurassic Park, the ride, she gave me a vintage Jurassic Park, the ride t-shirt. It's just, it's like this kind of heavy Heather gray. Um, it's got the Jurassic Park, the ride logo, and then it's got these like little gremlin raptor, green gremlin raptor dinosaurs kind of crawling all over it. And she was very sweet to send that to me. Uh, I've already been rocking it, but I'm also, you know, I'm going to take care of it because it's vintage. Um, yeah, so thank you, Judy. Again, I really appreciate that gift. It really means a lot to me. And the second gift is from uh, another friend of the show, uh, Priscilla, at Desert Queenie on Twitter. And uh, again, as I'm recording this, I'll be in Australia and New Zealand. Um, or I should say when this comes out, I will be in Australia and New Zealand. 
And uh, Priscilla is from Australia, and she was kind enough to send me. I mean, I you know my jaw dropped on the floor. It's a um, they're Jurassic Park trading cards, but they're not from Tops, which did the original Jurassic Park and Lost World, and yeah, the original uh, Jurassic Park and Lost World lines. Uh, Australia and I think New Zealand had their own. Jurassic Park trading cards. It was from a company called Dynamic Marketing. Also, I've seen it as Dynamic Forces, um, but they basically did their own Jurassic Park trading cards. They're gorgeous. They have these kind of, instead of the kind of fern wave aesthetic, as I've dubbed it, they have this kind of marbly black uh, with yellow and then the Jurassic Park logo kind of vibes. And the cool thing about it is that there's so many great photos that I've never seen anywhere before that were pretty much used, I think, only for you know, international markets or something like that. Cause there's just some cool photos, behind the scenes photos, just different angles from shots and stuff that you've never seen before. There's a great shot of Ellie, uh, of Dr. Sattler and Dr. Grant high-fiving, like stuff like that, where you're just like, what is this? I feel like I'm seeing the movie for the first time again. Um, and they also have these beautiful prism cards where, you know, it's the classic images of all the animatronic dinosaurs, but it's like, you've got this cool holograms and stuff. And it's definitely way more extensive than the tops, uh, holograms, which only had two slash four, if you count, or, you know, eh, there's a lot of like weird variations and stuff, but essentially there was like, I think two or two or four. No, I think only two. Uh, yeah, there's only two with some variations. Um, whereas the dynamic marketing versions have tons of different versions and pop out cards. Um, again, I'm so blown away. Um, Priscilla, it really means a lot. I really appreciate that gift. Um, you know me, I'm going to catalog that away. It's going to go in a nice folder and, um, you know, so it'll be safe. But um, again, I wanted to thank everybody uh, for listening to the podcast. I know this wasn't a super email and phone call heavy episode, but I feel like there's a lot of fun stuff to catch up on and some adventures. And I think for the next mini so it'll have some other fun adventures and some other phone calls and stuff as well and voicemails. So, um, yeah, as always, uh, thank you for listening. Also interact with me in the show by following me on Twitter at Stephen Ray Morris and following SJR Pod on Twitter, see Jurassic Ride on Instagram, see Jurassic Ride on Facebook, or you can send me an email at cjurassicride at gmail.com. Not only am I looking forward to talking to people about their Jurassic Park experiences and hearing yours, but I also am going to be sharing ephemera from my childhood and oh god, I'm going to share the fan fiction uh, on there as well and pictures and toys and everything. It's going to be great. And I wanted to thank Caitlin Thompson and Tim Ruggery at ACAST, Molly McAleer, Heather Mason, Stephanie Cook, Sarah Iyer, and you. See Jurassic Right is an ACAST podcast. Check out the show on their mobile app. And thank you for listening. Until next time.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.